Hi everyone, this is Jackie Cooper with J. Cooper Travels uh, Talk Show, and I want to welcome everyone to this very special episode. Um, I'll be introducing my guest in a quick second, but before I do, for those that are new to J. Cooper Travels, I just want to welcome you and share a little bit more about my background and how the show got started. So um, in terms of my background, it's a little bit diverse. I am both an attorney as well as a special educator, as well as a uh, an artist. And, and, and in many ways, I'm going down the same path or a similar path that Deborah is. I'm also in the process of writing a book. So uh, from, from all those areas, um, life has been very rich and exciting. And the talk show started because I was meeting people within my social media network that had wonderful stories that I thought um, needed to be shared. And so uh, J. Cooper Travels is not just about where do we go in life physically, geographically around the world, but also how do we travel in life? How do we treat each other? How do we treat ourselves? And um, I want to share more about the path that we're all on. So with that, I want to welcome Deborah to the show. Um, how are you doing today, Deborah? Wonderful. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So we connected on Alignable um, and we um, had a conversation about your life and I was just blown away. So I know I'm um, for everyone who's listening, this is the first of many episodes because Deborah's life and what she's been doing um, is so rich with experiences that it just cannot be condensed into one episode. So I definitely suggest that you like and subscribe and stay tuned to the future episodes because there's a lot of history that we're going to be learning, a lot of wonderful stories, both um, within the United States, around the world, and also within her family. And, um, you know, I don't want to give away any secrets because I think it's, you know, the excitement of what's about to be. But uh, Deborah, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? And um, also for everyone who's listening, I will include, um, you know, Deborah's contact information so you can reach back out to her and learn more about her story as well. So Deborah, Thank you. Yep. Go ahead. Thank you. It, it's always a challenge to introduce myself because I've done so much. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, let's say that uh, I am uh, Forbes Magazine Diversity and Inclusion Trailblazer. I am an award-winning author of 15 books. I attended Harvard, and I grew up in the British colony back then of Bermuda. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great summary. That's a great summary. So um, today we're going to be talking a little bit about your life and um one of many of the books. So um, which one are we going to be chatting about today? The book is called The Liberator's Daughter. Yeah. It, and it includes uh, World War II letters of my dad, who was a U.S. military intelligence officer during the war, assigned to interrogate Nazi prisoners of war. Um, he kept all his letters and my mother's love letters during the war to him in a file cabinet in his closet. And I had no idea that he had done that until I took a job in Tulsa, Oklahoma, shortly after the Oklahoma City bombing and dealt with uh, the security of the Jewish Federation for which I was working and uh, was trained in security by the FBI. 
That's when he hopped on a plane from Cincinnati, where he was the director, uh, or the financial officer of the American Jewish Archives, uh, and came to Tulsa to see what they were doing to his daughter. <laughs> it's definitely something that the father would say. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's when I found out more about what he had done during the war. And uh, my my first reaction was, you kidding? He kept this quiet. Um, and he said, yeah. He said, you know, you've got Holocaust survivors in your community who haven't said a word about their past. None of us want to talk about it, but it's time. And that's when I put him on a local radio show. And I have... Uh, recording up on my e-zine, you might call it, uh, the American Diversity Report, which I founded in 2006 so that people could hear from him personally. I, that's a really special story. Now, the, the book that you're talking about, is it about your life? Is it about your family? Tell us a little bit more about it. it it is about my life, about the family. Uh, it does have his letters in it and mom's letters in it. Uh, and also memoirs of uh, a Polish Holocaust survivor mm -hmm. woven into it and uh, how I came to do all that I do. Um, I, I, will, I will share with you that uh, my first efforts at writing this book, when my father was still with us, still alive, uh, he wrote me back and he said, um, well, you're getting there, dear. <laughs> <laughs> in reality, I was not able to complete and publish the book until after he had passed away because uh, my dad could be uh, a perfectionist, exacting, very particular. And can you can imagine how I feel when people compare me to him? You're just the same way. Really? Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we have to have a sense of humor about the, the generational uh, transitions. Uh, and the, the, the book has uh, won awards. Uh, and uh, something that you may not know is that I took some of his letters of my mother's and the Holocaust survivors, and I have just completed okay, a radio theater script. Awesome, awesome. Because I feel the story needs to be told, the realities need to be told now more than ever. Yeah. And that's been part of my life, is how do we make history come alive for the people around us now? Uh, it, it wasn't always that way. In fact, I started out, uh, I wanted to be in the arts, like you, creative, mm -hmm. an artist, uh, a dancer. Uh, I was head of the dance troupe in high school until my health kicked in and something happened and I had to just change. Yeah. Reinvent myself. Yeah. So when I went to Harvard, I decided I would become a philosopher so I could tackle the big issues of life, right? <laughs> well, I, then they told me that the philosophy department wasn't quite ready to do that. Maybe <laughs> I should find something else. So I thought, well, religion takes mm -hmm. those 
and so I would I would become uh, a major in world religions. Uh, but back in the day, it didn't exist as a major. Right, right. So I went to the dean and I offered to create said major. Yeah, that that went well. <laughs> she informed me that I that I was accepted into the freshman class to give it interest. And I didn't know what that was. Um, but now that I was here, I would major in English or economics like everyone else, which I did not do. That's when I was the first class in what was offered uh, in folklore and mythology. Wow. And ended up back in the divinity school de de dealing with that. And it has shaped me ever since. The, the process of storytelling, the impact of it, the communicating of it, you know, makes it come from history to um, almost uh, stand-up comedy, if you want. And, you know, <laughs> you can have some fun with it. You can be impactful. And so storytelling has become part of my life. Stories are a wonderful way to communicate messages and lessons and and like you said also history that needs to be told uh in a way that um allows people to open up their mind and um sometimes be open to the messages that need to be heard so exactly exactly make it very engaging and human yes yes and that's that's what i have done now i didn't uh decide to start out like that uh I needed to earn a living, right? So uh, I became uh, my first, one of my first jobs after getting a master's degree in urban planning was as a development director for the Chicago City Ballet, ah. right? If you can't dance, at least you can get, you can make sure other people are gonna dance. Um, unfortunately, it, uh, uh, there were some interesting issues regarding that, whole another story and I decided then to go into the Jewish community especially since my mother had contracted cancer and this was in her honor because she was uh, a Jewish religious school educator principal and um, well you know how it is with moms and so I became the, uh, I went to the American Jewish Committee for a job, thinking I would do something political. Uh, this was in Chicago. Um, that would have been quite an interesting thing, but they asked me to take a different job instead. And I became the Director of Interreligious Affairs. Mm -hmm. And it was my first introduction to religious diversity and diversity in general. And it would shape me forever forever. I ran the 1990 National Workshop on Christian Jews, Jewish religions, and I created my own business, the DuPage Interfaith Resource Network, and the books that go with it. Because I learned very early on, if you don't document it, it never happened. That's very true. That's very, very true. Yeah. So I worked for the, in the Jewish community for you know, a dozen years, becoming a federation director, and then in Tulsa, and now here I am in Chattanooga, Tennessee, in the South. 
And one of the beauties of that, besides the fact that it's just a gorgeous town, is that my upbringing in Bermuda as a British colonial, right, it kind of resonates to the old South. So I was telling my brother one day when he came to visit from California, I said, I can say uh, that uh, in an idiom, right, it's down yonder somewhere, and nobody is going to blink an eye. I don't have to worry about dropping my G's and something and thinking about it. It's perfect. So there was, it went really well, and I have stayed, and I had a little of an issue doing that because as a Federate, Jewish Federation director, I went to uh, Israel and on the way stopped off in Uzbekistan and got very ill. Mm. Never did recover. And I am so amazed to still be here. But the, and I was just devastated that I had to leave my job. But, and this is for everybody out there who thinks that their lives are over. Uh uh. The, best is yet to come. The last 20 years have been the most creative. I created the Women's Council on Diversity. And when Volkswagen came to Chattanooga, I created the Global Leadership Class. I taught them how to go Southern. And I created the Matrix Model Management System, which builds our brain in such a way that the neural net expands. And you can hold all this new big data that's coming your way. I've had a great time. It's been um, an amazing time for writing as well, 15 mm -hmm. books. Mm -hmm. I'm also an opinion columnist with the local newspaper. You just keep on going. You do, you do. And, you know, so often um, individuals will ask, well, can you do a lot? Yes, you can. You can, and you can fit it in as long as it empowers you and gives you the energy and doesn't drain you, then um, you can definitely um, support and be advocates for others as well as, um, you know, help yourself as well. Cause in the process you're um, giving yourself back the energy as you know, that you give out as well. So I, I know that you and I are going to have many, many conversations. I want to go back to the first book that we talked about. Um, what inspired you to write that? What, and what messages are in that book that you want people to know about before they pick it up? So the liberator's daughter, mm -hmm. right. was actually begun 20 years before it was published when I found out about my father's letters. Yeah. And it was originally intended to put those letters in and the history behind it. But what happened in doing so, because as you say, it was transformational. And I started to do uh, a lot of uh, research on the family. So it has some interesting things about uh, immigrants coming, Jewish immigrants coming from Eastern Europe, like Ukraine, to America, and how I came to be, right? And then how my parents, right, came to be who they were through Harvard, through
through World War II and my father's letters. And keep in mind, and I, I know you we've talked about this, my mom was a pioneer in special education. Mm-hmm. What I wanted to show was how all of this can interweave to create who we are. Yeah. That we are the past and then we create the present and the future. And so I put in how it affected me and talked about my own work in religious diversity and in dealing with the Holocaust. Because even when I started that book, I knew I had a mission to share what hate could do to us. And I am very grateful that I had my father around quite some time to talk to him about it, hear him, so that it became part of me and I do educate others. Now I will share that there is a second memoir called The Magic Marble Tree devoted to my mom that talks about how to make a difference the way she did incredible people skills which my dad did not have (laughs) and so I, I, I am grateful that I am able to engage that level and I even named the process after her you know to Estelle someone and I feel her inside me. Our loved ones are in there. We just have to smile and acknowledge that and be the best of them as well as ourselves. I would agree. I would definitely agree. There are, are many lessons within your book and that we're going to be talking about, but I want to um, give you the opportunity to mention how people can reach out to you um, and also get copies of the books. So go ahead and take that. Uh, opportunity now. All right. Uh, You can reach me through my website, americandiversityreport.com. You can send me a message through the contact page. Uh, You can see all the books when you do the drop-down menu about Deborah, and you can see and read more about The Liberator's Daughter, including hearing my father's radio interview. Now, I know when we first talked, you mentioned that um, when you were looking at trying to write this book and some other books, you didn't always get the support that you thought people would um, be open to. Why don't you share a little bit about that, if you would? Oh, my. Um, Are you talking about family or just in general? um, In general, I think that you were talking about, um, you know, different uh, individuals in the community maybe didn't think that the timing was right. Um, and, but you did. And so you continued to pursue it. Um, and, um, you know, now are you seeing that, um, there's a change now that it's written and that people are saying, yes, the time was right. Yes. I think that's very true. And I will share with you that, uh, many people have said to me, 
that I arrive at the train station early so that others can arrive on time, right? And I'm usually ahead of the curve, in other words. Uh, so uh, I, I get used to it in many ways, but it's still a, a sort of strange adventure to push yourself out into the cosmos before anyone else. You look around, you're all by yourself. Uh, but the reality is, if you have that ability, go for it, right? Because the, the liberator's daughter is more popular today in many ways than it has ever been, given what is happening on this planet. <laughs> and so the um, increasingly, I am being asked to speak about it, uh, to talk about my experiences, my father's mother's, um, but also to look at the um, uh, situation, the environment in the world uh, through the lens of history uh, and see the commonalities for which we are facing. So I want to mention to everyone that this is the first of many episodes that Deborah and I are going to have about these important conversations. So definitely um, share this episode with others that you know. Visit the website. Again, the website information will be in the blog below. So that way you can get copies of the book. You can follow um, all the things that she's doing because these are important conversations to have in our community. And it's important for all of us to be kind to each other and to support each other. Because again, as Deborah, you've mentioned, um, you know, we are, are all one and we're all connected and interconnected. And so um, any last minute thoughts before we um, sign off on this first episode of, of many conversations that we're going to have? Well, thank you very much for having me, and I'm looking forward to the future ones. And this one is is so personal. Um, it brings back good memories, and I think that everybody can resonate to that. The book is not a textbook. You will find it easy reading, and on occasion even inspiring and once in a while, fun. <laughs> but it is something that most people will not have seen the reality of these firsthand memoirs and letters. When you read it, let me know. I want to hear your feedback. Sounds good. Sounds good. Everyone, have a great day. Be kind to each other. And we'll talk soon. Thank you so much. Take care. Recording stopped.